Acts. Take your Bibles and open them to Acts, if you would. And we're going to do a survey through the book of Acts today on prayer. If you've been here the last few Sundays, you know that we're in the the middle of a series of messages that I've entitled Moving Forward. This is such an important series because God wants us as a church to advance. It's never been God's intention that we stay where we are, that we just settle down and hold the fort till Jesus comes. No, God wants us to make progress moving forward. We've talked about in recent weeks how that we have a mission to love God, love others, and make disciples. We've also talked about how that God has given us a great vision. That is to demonstrate the love of God by making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. That's our vision. Last week, we emphasized the importance of faith, how that we must have faith in God to move forward. We have to move forward by following the Lord by faith. It's not easy. There are challenges along the way, but yet we must move forward by faith. Well, today we're going to talk about moving forward with prayer. Prayer is so important in the Christian life, and it's important in accomplishing the work of God in the local church. I want to demonstrate this truth to you this morning in a unique way. Rather than taking a passage of Scripture and exegeting the passage, we're going to look through the book of Acts So let me go ahead and warn you, you're not going to be able to stay up with me this morning by turning to all the passages. But you have in your handout today, you'll have an an outline, if hopefully you picked up one uh, this morning when you entered, but there's an outline, you can use that to follow along. You can make some notes and things of that sort that will be beneficial for you as we move forward. But um, we're going to go through extensively the book of Acts and, and trace prayer and see how essential it was for the early church. What I need you to know is that in the early church, they had many challenges. We think that we have a difficult today because we live in a culture that is not favorable toward us. And certainly that is true. And there's a growing animosity toward people of faith, certainly here in America and in various parts of the world. But yet, that was true of the early church, even more so. They were being executed for their faith. The persecution level was greatly uh, higher than it is in our present day here in America. Uh, They were being beheaded. They were being cast into prison. They were being stoned to death. There was an oppressive government over them, the Roman Empire, the strongest power in the world. So it was very difficult for them. But yet God used them to take the gospel message from Jerusalem and spread it across the Middle East, into Africa, into Europe, and ultimately here in Douglas, Georgia. And God used prayer to keep them focused so that they could feel the power of God at work in them and in their churches. And I'm saying to you today, and I want you to hear me clearly, that if we do not devote ourselves to prayer, it it doesn't matter how gifted we are. It, It doesn't matter how often we meet, how many resources we have, what kind of vision we have before us, and that we're clear on our mission. 
if we do not spend time daily in prayer, asking God to do a great work in us as a church, we will never accomplish our vision. It won't happen. And it shouldn't happen. But if we do devote ourselves to prayer, if we make prayer a strategic part of our day, every day, God will do a great work here at First Baptist Douglas that will impact our community and our world with a gospel message. And I want to show you that. I want to prove that to you by looking into the book of Acts. So hopefully you found your way there. And as we approach this message today, uh, let's begin to look here, if you would, in Acts. And I'm going to see, first of all, the presence of prayer in the church. I want to break this down into four categories. The first is prayers of devotion. You'll find the first stop along the way is Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Here, of course, the disciples are in the upper room with Jesus. Or I should say this is after his ascension. He's in the, uh, they're gathered in the upper room. He's told them, given them their instructions. They, he's, a, he's ascended. Now they're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to empower the church. And uh, he says, uh, or we see these words, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to what? Prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Then we see the church after Pentecost. And Pentecost was that time that we reflect on when the Holy Spirit descended on the church to empower the people of God to carry out the work. And we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, of course, this is following a great message preached by Peter. We see these words, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Then we come to Acts chapter 6, verse 4. The church is growing exponentially. Or let's stop off, first of all, Acts chapter 3, I should say. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. The church is certainly growing. We see it continues continues to grow in the praying of Peter and John here. The Bible says now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Psalm 55 verse 17 speaks about three hours of prayer per day for the Jews. You had one that occurred early in the morning, the morning prayers, uh, this was a very important time, a way to start the day off, of course. This would be considered the third hour. And then the sixth hour was the, the time they would gather to pray at noon. And then the ninth hour would be somewhere around 3 p.m. as they would gather again to pray. And again, you see the emphasis of prayer all throughout the day, focused on the Lord, focused on prayer, seeking his face. And this was a part of Peter and John's regular routine. And then we come now to Acts chapter 6, verse 4. And, of course, the church is growing exponentially. And it's growing so quickly that they, they need additional help. So they add deacons, people to, to come alongside the leaders of the church in order that they might have more time for prayer. We see this uh, with the leaders in the church pray. The Bible says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
And then in Acts chapter 10, verse 9, we see the, the praying of Peter. The Bible says, on the next day, they were on their way and approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. That, again, would be around 12 o'clock, around noon. So he, he was a man of prayer. So here, I want you to see prayers of devotion. But also, we find prayers of direction or prayers for direction. The uh, replacement of Judas was a time for prayer. Remember, Judas committed suicide after Jesus had been betrayed, and uh, he had been turned over to the officials by Judas, and Judas uh, hanged himself. And the Bible tells us here in Acts 1, uh, verses uh, 24 and 25, and they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own way, to his own place. Then there's the departure of Paul from Ephesus. That was a time of prayer for direction. Acts chapter 20, verse 36. And when they had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. We find in Acts chapter 21, verse 5, the departure of Paul from Tyre. And when it came about, that our days there were ended. We departed and started on a journey. While they all, with wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city. And after kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to everyone, to one another. So again, prayer is a strategic part of everything that they're doing. These are prayers for direction. Then we see prayers of dedication. Acts chapter 6 verse 6 when the uh, when the disciples were appointed ordained uh, the Bible tells us and these they brought before the apostles and after praying they laid their hands on them. We see the importance of prayer and sending out of Barnabas and Paul on their missionary journey in Acts chapter 13 verse 3. Then When they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Then we find in Acts 14 verse 23 in the appointing of elders. And by the the way, the term elders there is a term that's used interchangeably with bishops, pastors, and elders. These three terms are used. It simply means leadership in the church, uh, specifically pastors, as you would know them. And the Bible says here, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Notice you see prayer and fasting. Fasting is coupled with prayer. Fasting is when they would, they would deprive themselves of food. And in some cases, food and water. And they would devote that time for special prayer. And, and the, the idea behind this is that, that they, their need for God was greater than their own substance. They would spend time in prayer. Now, uh, I'm not sure many Baptists are fasting and praying anymore. But I, I can tell you, no wonder we have such powerlessness in our churches across America today. It's because... Many of God's people are not praying, and certainly we're not fasting. 
prayer and fasting are two very important components to a life of surrender and devotion to the Lord. And these are prayers that are offered up to God in dedication. And, and it's so important that we practice these thing, same things. And then we come to prayers for deliverance. In Acts chapter 12, verse 5, we see Peter's arrest by Herod. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was made fervently by the church of God. Now what happens? Well, God hears their prayers. He intervenes and miraculously we find Peter is released. We read about this in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. And when he realized this, he went up to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark where many were gathered together and were praying, praying there for the situation that God addressed. And then there's Saul, or I should say Paul and Silas. They were arrested, and of course they were praying in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So they were not complaining. They were not uh, trying to find the, the next greatest lawyer. They were praying and singing praise, and, and God was at work. And then we find in Acts 28, verse 8, Paul's prayer for the sick. And it came about that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted, with recurrent fever and dysentery, and Paul went to see him. And after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. And of course, uh, God worked in a powerful way there to relieve this man's suffering, but prayer was a part of it. So we see the presence of prayer in the church. Everywhere you look, these people are praying. Every situation they faced, they were praying. And that kept them focused on God. It helped to keep them clean before God. It helped to keep them passionate for the things of God. And God was at work in them and through the local church. This ingredient of prayer was essential. You know, whenever you eat a piece of cake, and I can tell you like some cake, don't you? Can I get a witness to that? And I do too, and I knew you can tell that. Cake is good, but you have to have the right ingredients. Every ingredient is important. And so it is true with the church today. In order for the church to be the church God wants her to be, prayer is one of those ingredients that must be a part of our daily lives. It's essential, the presence of prayer in the church. And then I want you to see with me the power of prayer in the church. Well, prayer is important for the power to speak. As a matter of fact, I prayed before I came out today. It's, it's a, a, a constant concern of mine that when I stand before you, that God is able to use me as limited as I am to communicate the word of God to you. Prayer is important when we speak. I think about Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That means they were under the control of the Spirit. And began to speak the word of God with boldness. 
You think we need some people speaking the word of God with boldness in uh, Coffee County today? Some people who will preach the truth and teach the truth and share with their friends and neighbors about Jesus Christ with great passion in their hearts? That's what we find here, but prayer was a part of that. Then also we see power to serve is is necessary, and that comes through prayer. Uh, Tabitha is raised, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9, verse 40. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed and turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. So God is using here Peter to do a great service for the Lord, but prayer is a part of it. And there's power to save that comes through prayer. Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And on that very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and roused him, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Oh, friend, here we see God's power at work in the early church because these were people who were devoted to prayer. Think about when you leave here in just a little while, you go outside and you'll reach into your pocket or your purse and you'll pull out a key. You'll take that key, you'll put it into the ignition of your car and you will turn the ignition. You have to have the key to crank and to use the car. No matter how powerful the engine, no matter how polished the exterior of that car is and how attractive it might be, you have to have the key to make it work. And the same is true with with prayer. Prayer is the key. And if we don't use that key in the work of God, then the, the power source is muted. It's not that we lose the Holy Spirit. He doesn't cease to exist or he doesn't depart from us. It's just that our lives are not focused the way they ought to be. And we get distracted from the things of God. And we begin to lose our sense of purpose and direction and power. But prayer keeps us focused and keeps us moving forward. So we certainly see the presence of prayer in the church, the power of prayer in the church. But notice also the progress from prayer in the church. I want you to see two things here. First of all, the church grows as the church prays. The church grows. We see in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, this is... Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Now, keep in mind, remember Peter? This is the same guy that denied that he even knew Jesus. He denied him three times and cursed. And now he's been restored. He's been put back into ministry. And what does he do? He's not afraid now. He stands up with boldness and he proclaims the gospel of Christ Jesus. So then, the Bible says, those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Then look with me, if you would, in Acts 4.4. 4. This, is, uh, this is Peter's, this is Peter's uh, uh, second sermon. 
The Bible says here, but many of those who had heard the message believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So you're going from 3,000 to 5,000. In Acts chapter 2, we also read this, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the service that occurred after the Pentecost. So you had Peter preaching. You had people saved, about 3,000, and then they continued to pray. They continued to grow in their understanding of the Lord, and, and people are being saved every day. It's not just on, on, the, on Sunday when the church is gathered. A lot of times we think that's when the only time people can be saved is at the invitation time. If you see people walking down here, it's probably because someone has been talking to them in the course of the weeks prior to that. Don't think that people just wander in here all of a sudden and hear the gospel for the first time and they're saved. That, that's usually, that can happen. That does happen. But usually it involves people going out during the course of the week and, and interacting with people, sharing with them the gospel, praying for them, ministering to them, building a relationship with them. It, it takes time sometimes for people to understand and respond to the gospel. And then they come down here on Sunday morning and think, wow, we had a powerful service. Someone was saved. Don't forget the work that goes prior to that, and prayer is a part of that work. So Peter preaches, people are saved, they continue in the word daily, and the people are being saved daily. He preaches a second time, 5,000 people are saved. And then there's the reorganization that has to occur for ministry in Acts chapter 6, and we see this in verse 7. And of course, again, this is when they call disciples. But, but the church is growing so quickly. Uh, people are being saved every day. Thousands are coming into the kingdom under this persecution, no less. And so uh, they are having to expand their base of ministry. They're having to, to add additional workers in the organization in order to take care of people more efficiently. And the Bible says, and the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Then in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, we see Paul's conversion. At this time, his name was Saul, and he had his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. Remember, he was in pursuit of Christians to arrest them or to kill them. Until he was confronted by the resurrected Christ himself. And we see about, we read about it here in Acts 9, 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. Being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. So he was saved and he was used for the ministry. And the church continued to grow and God was going to use him strategically uh, for that purpose. And then we see the death of Herod. Acts twelve twenty four. But the word of God continued to grow. And to be multiplied. Acts sixteen five speaks about the ministry of the apostles. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith. And were increasing in number. How often? Daily. Daily. Again. I, I think this should underscore for us. That we all play a part. In getting the gospel out. We come here to be built up in the faith. We come here to study the word together and to grow in our understanding of God and how we might serve him more faithfully. 
We come here to refocus our attention on the Lord. We come here to worship the Lord. We come here to fellowship together. We come here to pray. But we are scattered to do ministry. We're scattered to go share the gospel with people. So the Lord is preparing you. He's priming your pump today so that when you go out tomorrow or this afternoon at the workplace or at school or on the ball field or wherever it is you might go through the course of the week, God can use you to impact people's lives. This is how the church grows. This is how the church comes alive. This is how the church becomes a powerful influence in the community with the gospel message. It's by us taking the gospel to the world, and we do that through prayer. We'll never do that without prayer. We'll never do that without prayer. Prayer is an essential part of our church impacting the world with the gospel message. So here we see the church grows. But in addition to that, and as a part of that, we see the church goes, goes. I want to give you a few examples. I could give you many more, but let me, let me give you a few examples of this. We see the Great Commission, of course, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me read it for you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. This tells us what we're to be doing. This is our mission. I shared this with you earlier. We're to love God, love others, and make disciples. This, is, this comes right out of the Scriptures. And then we find, notice if you would, in Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, ministry in and around Jerusalem. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you will be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. In other words, we're not going to shut up. You're not going to intimidate us into silence. We're, gonna, we're going to share about Jesus. And folks, I'm telling you, we had better make that decision today. We had better make that decision today and live up to it. Because I foresee a time coming in America where there will be an effort, an effort to silence us. But we can't be silent, can we? Now, now I said we can't be silent. Amen? Uh, now's the time to speak up in love and share Jesus with other people. That's, that's what God is doing here at First Baptist, that's what God wants to expand here at First Baptist in our community and around the world is the sharing of the gospel of Christ. So important that we do this. Then notice Philip and he's in Samaria. A great revival breaks out there. Acts chapter 8 verse 5. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. And God actually says, I want you to leave that revival, and I have a man I want you to speak to that's traveling through. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. Go speak to him. Go share the gospel with him. Now, and that has to be hard for a preacher to do. I mean, he's, he's up here in Samaria. Great things are happening. People are being saved. I mean, God is pouring out uh, his spirit among the people. They're, 
people are coming to faith in Christ. And God says, I want you to leave that and go over here and speak to this one individual. And he obeys. We see his obedience in Acts chapter 8, verses 25 through 26. And so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Then look in verse 35 of the same chapter. We see, And Philip opened his mouth and began from the scripture. He preached Jesus to him. What's he doing? He's going. Acts chapter 9, verses 19 and 20. We see Paul after his conversion. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. Now, this is the man who had been killing Christians. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. He's going to Damascus in order to rest more. And God knocked him off his horse, literally. And he saw this bright light, and, and Christ said to him, him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, this is Christ at the right hand of the Father saying this. But let me tell you, when, when you are persecuting the church, you're persecuting Christ because Christ is the body. Christ's church is the body of Christ, I should say. So here we find that, uh, we find that a tremendous work of God is being done in the life of Saul. And God is moving mightily. And then we see Peter preaching to the Gentiles, Acts chapter 10, verse 44 and 45. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message and all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Notice this now, on the Gentiles also. So the work of God through salvation was not just impacting the Jews, but also the Gentiles. This is what you find in the book of Acts. You find the explosion of the church in that it is going out into the world and, and the gospel is now going to everyone, not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. I'm glad of that because I'm a Gentile. Then we see the church at Antioch, Acts 11, verses 19, uh, 19 through 26. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of the men, the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a large Number who believed turned to the Lord. Notice that a large number turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced to begin to be encouraged. He encouraged them all 
uh, with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Now notice this. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, folks, as I read this, you know what comes to my mind? I I read about how the people in the community were coming to faith in Christ because God's people were out sharing. Why were they sharing? It's because they were devoting themselves to prayer. They were asking God to do great work. They were remaining focused on the Lord and his mission for them to take the gospel to the world. And they were taking it seriously. And they were doing that. And their friends and relatives were coming to faith in Christ. Think about some of your friends. And some of your relatives. People you and I know who don't know the Lord. Have no interest in the things of God. What if First Baptist Douglas really gets on fire for the Lord Jesus? What if we devote ourselves to prayer And we keep our minds focused on him. And we go out and share the gospel with our neighbors. And talk to them about how Christ loves them. And and how that even though we're sinners and we are deservant of hell. That Christ has paid the penalty for us through his death on the cross. He suffered because of our sin. And he was raised again that we might have eternal life. And they're open and they listen. And they ask questions and we, we answer those questions as best we can. And the power of God begins to move in their lives. And they see their lostness. And they begin to confess their sin. And repent and turn to Christ for salvation. And they're gloriously saved. And they come and join here at First Baptist or perhaps another church. They're baptized. They begin to get in a Bible class and study the Word of God. And they begin to grow in their faith and become disciples. True followers of Christ, growing and sharing and teaching and, and proclaiming the gospel to their friends. I'm telling you, God can change this whole community, this whole region. And impact even our nation and our world as we faithfully carry out the good news of Christ. But it won't happen without prayer. I can tell you that. It will not happen. Prayer is an essential part. And that's what we're finding throughout these examples here in this passage of Scripture. Prayer is absolutely essential to everything we do. Acts chapter 13, you can look in verses 2 and 3, and we see Paul and Barnabas on mission. The Bible says, and while they were ministering, To the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. We see Paul preaches to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 13, verses 47 through 49. For thus the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles. That you should bring salvation to the end of the earth. And when the 
Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Wouldn't you like to see that happen in our region? How's it going to happen? It's going to happen when we as God's people obey Him. That we take our mission seriously. That we strive to capture the vision of demonstrating God's love. By making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. Prayer is where where it all really gets started. It's where we lay down ourselves. It's it's where we forsake ourselves. It's, It's where we get right with God. It's in that place of prayer. It's where we deal with sin. It's in the place of prayer. It's where we get our enthusiasm, our excitement, our passion to serve the Lord. It's in the pray the place of prayer. That's why prayer is so essential. As we continue on, let's look here in Acts chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, The salvation of the Jews and the Greeks, it came about that in Iconium they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a great multitude believed, both the Jews and the Greeks. Don't you think this is what we need in America today? We are so divided and there are so many problems that we have that people are trying to solve with man-made solutions i'm here to tell you that jesus is the answer he's the one that brings people together you can't force people to come together you can't create these groups and organizations to try to intimidate people and shame people What we need is an old-fashioned move of God among God's people where they will go out and share the truth of Christ with a lost world. What we need is a spiritual awakening. Then we come to Acts chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, and I'm sure you'll be happy to know this is the last verse I'm going to read to you today. I'm overwhelming you, I'm sure, but I want to demonstrate to you the importance of prayer as lived out in the book of Acts. But here's, I I conclude with this very important passage because this is the first convert in Europe. The first convert in Europe. The gospel started among that little group there in the upper room, right? That little group. They're in Jerusalem. Empowered by the Spirit of God. In obedience, they begin to go out and share the gospel. People begin to get saved. Thousands of people come to faith. I'm telling you, they're stirring up the whole world. So much so that, that there's an effort underway to try to kill them, to silence them. But they won't be silent. How can you be silent when you know you serve a resurrected Christ? And so they take the gospel beyond Jerusalem into Samaria, to 
and, and beyond, all throughout the Middle East, into Africa, and now into Europe. Many of us, our ancestors came from Europe. This tells us where the gospel first entered Europe. And on the Sabbath day, we went out, went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had assembled. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Folks, it was a normal conversation. They were just having a conversation. And that's what I want you to see is you too can have those conversations. You don't have to be a seminary graduate. You don't have to have all the answers to all the possible questions someone could ask you. You don't have to know all that. All you have to do is lovingly share Jesus. And I'm telling you, God can use every single one of us to do this. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. If you will submit yourself to the authority of Christ and daily yield yourself to prayer and pray for your church, pray that God will use First Baptist to impact this community. Every single day, God can use you to have conversations like this. And friend, this is essential. Someone has rightly said, what you are, you are alone before God and nothing more. What you are, you are alone before God and nothing more. We must submit ourselves to prayer. And God has great days in store for our church. Your pastor has a vision that God has placed on my heart. I've shared it with you. To demonstrate the love of God by making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. And friend, I'm telling you, when we do this the way God has told us to do it, you won't be able to, to wait to get back on Sunday mornings. Because you, you'll wonder, who's coming down the aisle today? Who's going to profess faith in Christ today? Many of them will be your friends and family members and co-workers. There's nothing more exciting than being a part of a church that is walking in fellowship with God and is excited about their faith. That's what God has called us to. Early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in their private devotions. Each one reportedly had a special spot in a thicket where they would go and pour out their hearts before God. Over time, the paths that these people would use to go to their thicket became well-worn. As a result, 
if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it would soon be apparent to the others. They would kindly remind the negligent one, brother, the grass grows on your path. May I ask you a question? Has the grass grown on your path of prayer? Is prayer something that you use as a last resort? When everything else fails, pray. That's not the way God intended it. I'm telling you, prayer is as important to your spiritual life as breathing is to your physical life. And that's not an understa- that's not an overstatement. I'm telling you, prayer is an, as important to your spiritual life as breathing is to your physical life. Now, if you think you can make it for a long time without breathing, try it. You can't make it without prayer. Because what happens is you cut yourself off from fellowship with God. If you're a true believer, you don't lose your salvation. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that you are losing your spiritual vitality, your spiritual insight, your spiritual focus. You're, you're, you're distancing yourself from fellowship with God. And friends, when we are spending time in prayer, our natural response is to come up from that place and tell others about him. I hope that through this survey this morning, I know we've covered a lot of a lot of scriptures. I understand that. And I know for some of us with short attention spans, it's a challenge. But I want you to see what drove the early church in the book of Acts. It was prayer. And I want to challenge you to make prayer part of your daily life. And pray for your church. Pray for God to do a mighty work here at First Baptist. Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we need you every day. There's not a day that goes by that we don't need you desperately. We don't even know how much, Lord. We don't realize how much we do until a calamity strikes, until the doctor calls with bad news, or we lose a job, or we have a rough patch in a relationship. Then we realize, Lord, how vulnerable we are. Lord, if we could only humble ourselves every day and cry out to you and and seek your face and get right with you, it would revolutionize the way we live our lives. And we would see that our purpose is not just to make some more cash or, or to get another home or a nicer car or better clothes. Our purpose is to share Jesus with a lost and dying world. Lord, I pray that First Baptist will be that type of church, that we would be known as a church that makes disciples. And we know the front end of that is sharing the gospel of the lost. I pray that we'll all recommit ourselves to prayer and being used to share Jesus with the lost world. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you're here without Jesus,